Men are built for the demands of life. The breadth of our shoulders bears the weight of responsibility in our homes. The depth of our voices projects strength to the world. And the length of our stride, our ambition, propels us toward career success. Man Up For Life is the coaching and speaking brand you need to reach the heights of your individual and organizational greatness. Responsibility, power, and ambition will cease to overwhelm you and begin to inspire you. To get started today, contact Demetrius Love at manupforlife at yahoo.com or at manupforlife across all social media platforms. Responsibility, power, ambition. Don't be overwhelmed. Be inspired. Start today. Thank me tomorrow. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Motown Philly Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Golden, here with my co-host, Jason Hall. It's your boy. What up, though? Got to give the people, give the people what they want. Yeah, Jay, go on, give them what they want, give them what they want, give them what they need. We about to give you what you ain't even asked for. Because that's what we do here at the Motown Philly Podcast. That's my co-host Jason Hall from Motown, the Motor City. What up, though? Yours truly is Tim Golden. I'm from Philly, the wonderful city of brotherly love. And we are here with episode 39. That's right, episode 39. Wow. Motown Philly Podcast. Wow. We've been bringing the content for 39 weeks straight. In a row. That's consecutive, y'all. That means (laughs) we ain't missed yet. We ain't missed. We are. We ain't missed a thing, Jay. And because we ain't missed, y'all ain't missed. So I know, Jason, I know I'm thankful and I know you thankful. So I'm going to pass my gratitude to you and ask you to just pour it all over our wonderful, fabulous, dope, stupendous listeners. Listen, guys, you guys know Tim and I are super excited about all those who are in our community that are listening to us on a weekly basis. And some of you guys who are just finding us are catching up to us even on a daily basis we get feedback from the facebook group if you're not in it already the motown philly facebook group get inside invite yourself we want to invite you if you don't know how to get invited listen we are super grateful for your presence in our community this is a movement if you did not know this is a movement communication connection and community is a movement and we are so glad that you are along for this journey gratitude out the wazoo chick indeed jason out the wazoo what is a wazoo by the way maybe that's <laughs> another maybe that's another episode of Mozart. exactly uh, colloquialisms cliches and communi- communication that's how we do it y'all Hashtag up the wazoo. <laughs> Whatever the wazoo is, me and Jason are all up in it because we bringing y'all the kind of content that is essential in this podcast universe to help make this world 
a better place. True. Don't have to change it all at once. All we got to do is leave it in a little bit of a better condition than it was when we found it. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do that together. So you heard Jason stay in the Motown Philly podcast, Facebook group, stay in there, comment, raise questions, mm-hmm. lodge criticisms, whatever. We all about it. We all about it. Keep sharing, keep listening, keep downloading and make sure you subscribe to get the not- upload notifications so we can take this thing to the next level. So, all right, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, Jason, we're here on episode 39 of the Motown Philly podcast. And today we're going to talk about something that is a difficult subject. And I think what we're going to talk about is conflict and communication, Mm -hmm. or we might even say disagreement and communication. And to the listening audience, if you're not into sports, just hang in there with us because what we start talking about is not really the subject of the show. We're using our opening conversation as an example, and then we're going to pivot off of that into some things that we believe, no matter what the topic is, when you experience disagreement or conflict in relationship with others, it may affect the way you communicate, it can affect your connection, and it can affect your sense of community. Let's just make sure that the effect is in the right direction. Because here we're all about constructing communication, connection, and community, and not destructing it or not destroying it i should mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. so just hang in there with us our topic is not going to be the whole topic of the show but it's an example so listen as we chop it up well jay look you and i are never yeah. gonna we just we, never want to agree on this right you you think we're not I, oh i i listen there's few things you know how you know how you you can't really say for sure that the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Right. But what you know is that every day of your life, the sun has risen. Mm-hmm. And so when you say the sun going to rise tomorrow, you don't say it because you know it. You say it because you believe it. And I can say, we talked about this topic so many times, Jason, that based on the past experience of that, I could tell y'all, I see his face right now. He like, boy, if you don't shut your mouth with that foolishness that's finna come out of it, I'm going to jump through this computer and strangle you. My thought before we even breach the topic, I just want us always to come into any discussion with an open mind of reason, logic, and the ability to change. That's all. I think you have that wherewithal. That's why. That's why I'm passionate about it. That's one of the reasons. Well, why? I I think I have. I think I have all of those things. uh, But I still don't believe that you're going to change my mind about any of. So what are we talking about? Well, Jason, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you're going to talk in a minute and you know break down your view. Jason and I have an abiding disagreement about a subject in sports. Now, listen, 
we are from two of the dopest sports mm-hmm. towns in the United States. Yes, sir. Detroit and Philly. Lions, Pistons, Tigers, Red Wings, Eagles, mm-hmm. Sixers, Phillies, Flyers. Right. Eagles lost in the Super Bowl. Phillies lost in the World Series, both in the past year. And the Sixers now in the NBA Eastern Conference semifinals. Joel and B got MVP. Jay is from Detroit. You got the bad boys. You got Bill Lambeer, Vinny Johnson, the microwave, Isaiah. Man, you got uh, you got yeah. Chuck Daly was the coach who came from Philly and coached them to win a couple championships. Here's the dispute. Jason, LeBron James does not deserve to be put in the same category as Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. He just doesn't. That dude, he, he he put in Kobe Bryant. I didn't know Kobe Bryant was going to be part of the subject. That's like that's like almost all, we already started. I'm already starting at a deficit, but LeBron, I mean, because you have two really great, like top tier, top tier players of the NBA. I got LeBron, but LeBron, yo, he got broad shoulders. So what what you got? Jordan got six, Kobe got five. So let's just go MJ and LeBron. Okay. Uh, I, first of all, I like LeBron James as a person. I think he's a good dude. And I think he is a phenomenal basketball player. You'd have to be a fool to say that he wasn't, a, that he's not a good basketball player. And I think you'd have to be a fool to say he's not a good guy. He strikes me as being a good guy. Mm. But when it comes to on the court competitiveness, when it comes to what a lot of sports commentators call that killer instinct, which is ultimately the will to win. I just, I mean, for me, three years ago, when the last dance came out, that sealed it for me. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. And I'm taking Kobe out of the equation. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of our time, of all time, period. And I don't think LeBron deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as Michael Jordan. That doesn't mean I think he's a bad dude. That doesn't mean I don't think he's a great basketball player. He's just not MJ. And he he's just not as good as Michael Jordan as a basketball player and never will be. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So this I'm 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 not here to poke holes, but I'm just here to kind of like spread it as thin as possible so we can see what kind of ingredients we're working with, right? You often say, this is what Tim says to me, guys, in private and in public. Well, let's, you just listen. He says what he, y'all heard. You know, LeBron's a, he, he, LeBron's a good guy uh, off the field. He probably likes him a lot more off the field than on the field or loves his attributes, uh, more of his personality and what he does off the court. But of course, he says his ability, his physical and basketball abilities are unmatched when it comes to uh, being compared to to Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan is definitely the goat in his eyes. But it's not that's the surface. He he'll tell you that. But what he also won't tell you when you really get into some nitty gritty, I don't think Tim really likes LeBron and and at his core. 
Tim has told me in confidence, just he and I, he might have shared this with other individuals as well. But he thinks he thinks LeBron is a little arrogant and a little smug and a little he plays into the the modern culture of today. You know, LeBron is a millennial, I believe, and millennials have this sense of entitlement um, that, that this is a narrative about what millennials are. I'm not I'm not being accusatory, but um, I think Tim uh, has a large opinion of LeBron is what's wrong with culture today in a lot of in a lot of ways. So and if if that's in fact his belief and he holds that true there is some disdain that he has in addition to to for lebron in addition to his inability to match up to uh to what he how he compares lebron to michael jordan or mj as we call him so he discounts lebron on many on many counts not just the fact that he's not as good as 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 Michael Jordan or MJ is the fact that LeBron has some short character flaws like we all do, but they're glaring in there and and egregious in Tim's point of view. Uh, Tim doesn't think that LeBron does enough for the culture, even though what LeBron doesn't do far outshadows what Michael Jordan ever did. Um, I guess we fought. I guess Tim is faulting LeBron for not being perfect. Um, which LeBron never ever touted himself as being a perfect. He just does what he can. Um, I believe he's grown just like all of us has grown and flexed his muscles um, in the arena outside of basketball. Clearly, he has his own media company, Uninterrupted, and um, uh, he prides himself on giving the voice voice to the players. You know. Tim hasn't told you that about how much he doesn't like LeBron on how LeBron changed the culture of putting a lot of power back into the players. Um, Tim is quietly as is kept. He is he is an he backs the owners like he he's he's all for owning. He's all for positive for owning black bodies. So when LeBron rises up and says, I have a choice, I want to have some type of choice in where I, what I want to do with my life and career and family tim has a problem with that because now all of the culture all of the culture of of the nba is is following after lebron and having decisions about you know wanting to play part in decisions about what a what a uh, um a franchise wants to do with them and you know woe be unto the player to to have some type of an opinion about where he stays or where he goes or who he plays for and when he wants to play for us you know we might as well just keep that in the hands of the franchise because when they're tired of you they're gonna let you go regardless of what you think um so we'll 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 be unto lebron and his horrible influence to the nba so i just want to flesh that out because tim didn't paint uh the most um i'm not saying he was being dishonest but he didn't he didn't give the most clearest view of what he thought what he thinks about LeBron. So, as what you well, oh, I, I'll give you a chance to respond to those things. So, there's a lot of uh, accusations that I that I thrusted in your in your lap. To go go ahead, respond. Well, what you have just heard, folks. If we were in my logic class, I would take everything Jason just said, and I would put it under a logical fallacy 
that is called the straw man fallacy. And here's the way the straw man fallacy works. Person A and person B are in a debate. Person A holds a position and articulates that position. And then person B takes person A's position and makes it an extreme view and badly mischaracterizes it and says things like, Tim is for the ownership of black bodies. Tim sides with the owners. And tongue in they, cheek, guys, tongue in cheek. But go ahead. And, and then takes those views and attributes them to person A as if that was person A's argument. You'll notice that what Jason never did was address anything I said about LeBron James's on the court performances or his killer instinct or any of the things that I said were reasons why I don't think he is as good as Michael Jordan on the basketball court. So if I could just respond now to what Jason said, let's get a few things straight. I think, first of all, again, it's not disliking LeBron James. I don't, I don't know LeBron James. But I know what I see, and I know the things that he does. I know that he is, I'm not going to deny, I have problems with what LeBron James, some of the things LeBron James does, but I don't have a problem with him personally. Again, because I don't know him personally. I'm not Skip Bayless. You ain't going to hear me sit up here and try to trash LeBron at every turn without any nuance, right? I'm going to make some nuance and I'm going to tell you, I don't care for a lot of the things LeBron James does. Case in point, I believe, call me old fashioned, call me crazy, but I believe that there are roles in society. I believe that there are roles in industry and, and in the NBA, I believe that there are roles. The owner owns the team. The general manager makes personnel decision, decisions and the players play the game and they get paid a lot of money to do it. LeBron James will never be poor. LeBron James can't make any claims under the 13th Amendment and say he's being subjected to involuntary servitude from his contract with the Los Angeles Lakers or Miami Heat or Cleveland Cavaliers or whatever team he's played for to the litany of his endorsement deals, TV commercials, LeBron James can do whatever LeBron James wants to do outside of basketball. But I do not think it is the place of NBA players to begin to act like general managers. No. I mean, when you're a player with the influence of LeBron James, should you have a say and with management and say, look, I don't, I want this guy. I don't want that guy. Yeah, you have a say, but ultimately the decision is up to the general manager because that's his role or her role, whoever that person is. Ain't nobody crying no tears for LeBron James because his black body is being exploited. Ain't nothing exploited about LeBron James or any other NBA player. They make a lot of money 
they get paid well if they were if they were if the owners were taking their salary off the top and misusing it and not giving it to them and they were basically professional basketball sharecroppers okay then you got an argument but in the day and age we live in when you make all that money for playing the game i just believe in roles i believe in specialization i believe that players play i believe general managers make moves and i believe own owners own the team and that's the I, that's to me that makes sense you know when you're a player as good as he is do you have a say it is your opinion maybe way a little heavier than i don't know hachimura right he plays for the lakers the lakers don't really care how what hachimura think but they're gonna say, care what LeBron. why are you saying his name like that though is, isn't that his name Hachi? That's, exact, that's exactly his name but you put a little emphasis on the more hachi more i'm just saying you know so slava so, medvin danko so, so here's the thing if we're gonna have an argument about whether or not lebron james is as good as michael jordan is on the court then let's talk about the on the court stuff let's stop making straw men out of points that i've made about michael about what lebron james does that i think is harmful to the culture i think it's harmful to the culture that he's hanging on trying to see if he can ever get to play with his son i think that is a disgrace it's coming out y'all listen to the man I keep think, talking I think that's awful why I think that's awful. why is it awful it's awful because he's getting to the point where he's not going to be able to play anymore with he's the same a starter level. bro he's a starter listen of course he's a starter but that spills over into your on the court mentality is he just in it for himself see this is the part this is the off the court stuff that he does that bothers me you'll never i will never deny that he does a lot of things that bother me but what i'm not going to do jason is sit here and let you talk about a bunch of straw men without addressing the fact that on the court michael jordan is six for six in nba finals michael jordan didn't do it by himself thank you thank you bro stop he had a a great team okay but here's the thing a great team he had a historically great team of course he did and if you want to listen i'll even give lebron james a pass because he didn't go to college he went to high school and i love what he did taking his high school homies and making them his professional management team, his agent, his his other business managers. I absolutely love that. I think that is amazing. But what I'm not going to do is, even though I'm going to give him a break, you know, he's 18 years old, coming out of high school. LeBron James in his career, in playoffs, in big games, in championship series, on the court, he has quit. He has quit on his team on the court. And that to me automatically excludes him from any consideration of being as good as Michael Jordan on the court. Jordan talk, never quit. Talk about the incidents that he quit. When when, where, and how? What what happened? Well, let's talk about the- Because I'm not sure if he if 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 LeBron ever raised his hand and said, yeah, I quit. I just stopped. I don't remember him. I don't oh, It might have appeared like it. He didn't raise his hand. So give us evidence. Me. When, when did that happen? First NBA Finals he got to against, uh, against San Antonio. 
He quit when he walked off the court in Boston when Cleveland lost to Boston. Uh, there's probably others, just two, probably two or three others I could point to, but those are two that come to mind. And I'll even give him a little bit of a, a mitigation discount because he was young and he came out from high school. Jordan went to college for three years and had a little more maturity. Jordan came from a little bit of a more stable family, right? And Who was Jordan's coach in college? Yeah, and Dean Smith. One of the best. Of course, that's not, and none of that is LeBron's fault. It's not LeBron's fault no. how he grew up. None of it is his fault, but it's, it is a, for us. It is something for us to marvel at because Jordan, because because LeBron didn't come from stability or what we know, what we see in society as what should be stability. He didn't have a legendary college coach like like Jordan did. He didn't have the when I say legendary, I'm not just throwing this word out there when it comes to it's synonymous with college basketball. Yeah. Him and Coach K, right? Mm -hmm. I get it. Right. I get it. And and then um and this is not Jordan's fault, but he also was coached by and I can't even say arguably. Um but let's just say arguably cuz we have read our, our back. Um the greatest coach ever in the history of basketball. That was his coach too. I mean Jordan had the cards all he also had the the top 50 player in defensive um and decent defensive like cohort or um or teammate in in Scottie Pippen and the best rebounder that ever played like what didn't he have he should have one he should have one six you know he had it all and here's the thing how many champions has LeBron made how many coaches has LeBron made champions? Whether they're Eastern Conference Finals champions, whether they're actual champions of the entire like he makes coaches champions. I mean, just because I mean Darvin Ham, if they keep it up, <laughs> if they beat Steph in them, they got a good chance of he has a good chance. I mean, Frank Vogel, he's in obscurity. He's a champion. He's a champion. It's I mean. LeBron has done more with less. That team, that first team where he, where you said he quit and he went to the finals with, it was LeBron. Name, name somebody today, right now, today, right now. Who else? Who? Name three top players on that team. You, I shouldn't be asking you this because your memory is like crazy, but name one or two. I'll be real with you. I can't. Right? <laughs> but here's the thing, Jason. I think you're actually, I think you're actually making my point for me. It's precisely because LeBron did not have those things that Jordan had, that he had access to, the stability growing up, the Hall of Fame coach, all of that in college, the 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 players built around him. I mean, in Cleveland, he had to get Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving before they could win one. Right? And then he when he took his talents to South Beach 13 years ago. He went down there with D-Wade. And I think Shaq was on one of those teams at the time. When they beat, when they played, he won two championships with Miami and he won two with Cleveland, right? One and with he, Cleveland, two with one, Miami. One and, with one, and four so, made the Lakers. Right, so he's got four. Mm -hmm. He's got four all together. Uh, now, has he played longer? Sure. It's not Jordan's fault that he, like many other great competitive athletes, 
and people who are highly successful, he decided to try something else that he always wanted to do. He went to go play baseball. If he didn't go play baseball, we could be sitting here talking about eight rings. Although, I don't know, because them Houston Rockets teams were pretty good. And they were. Elijah, Elijah, they were. Kenny Smith, Sam Cassell, those those guys were pretty good. Yeah. So, so again, I, I think it's because LeBron doesn't have access to those things that he's not as good as Jordan. And that's not, listen, when I talk about the difference between Jordan and MJ, I mean, I'm sorry, MJ and LeBron, LeBron. I'm talking about the difference between $990,000 and a million dollars, right? You ain't going to be poor either way. I mean, LeBron James is, is certainly, I think, a top 10 player maybe top seven, top five or seven player of all time. I'm not going to take that away from him. Do I have problems with things he does off the court? Yes. Do I think the NIL deals in college have destroyed the competitive spirit of college sports and college basketball and football? And yup, I sure do. What's LeBron have to do with that though? Well, LeBron doesn't have what LeBron has to do with it, I think. And again, this is my off the court criticism. This is not a criticism and it's not a criticism of him as a person. But one of the things he does that I think he's so influential is that because of his influence, he sets the standard. And if he starts dictating to teams, I'm not coming unless you got this guy, that guy and the other guy i.e. Kawhi Leonard doing it. I'm not going to the Clippers unless I got Paul George. I mean, the idea that players can actually build their teams to me is a little bit over the top. I don't, I think a player's word should be considered. I think it should be taken very, very carefully. Uh, you know, as a, as a practical matter, you should listen to them. But I don't, ultimately, I don't think players are general managers. They get paid a lot of money to play the game. And LeBron James gets paid a lot of money. He plays the game well. I love his school, the things he does for kids. I, I do think that some of the things he does are symptomatic of a culture that is in decline. Yes, I do. But that's not what he does on the court. Yeah, I mean, so I get it all. And and I think we're going here in our conversation. But when you think about what you mentioned that LeBron, that you don't necessarily like about him, like this player empowerment movement that he started, you have to think about where it came from. I think when LeBron came into this league, um, he, he came into this league basically on the shoulders of what he saw that came before him. And if you really think about it, LeBron gave Cleveland his early and best years of his life as far as his early in his early career, when he actually went, you know, he went to the uh, Eastern Conference Championship and then he actually made it to to um, his first uh, championship, his first finals appearance and played against a very highly competitive San Antonio Spurs. And he gave them, a, again, 
I believe, two more years. And that's when he struggled and lost to the Celtics. And then I don't know if you remember this, but Kevin Kevin Garnett came into his ear and said, bro, if your franchise or your organization are not capable after seven years of putting pieces around you, you're going to be like me. But this is why I left Minnesota and had to come here. And this is why we're dominating because I took things in my own hands. My point is LeBron was loyal for eight, almost eight years or so trying to do it in the way that he saw his counterparts before him did it. But if you eat, if you knew and remember what the Cleveland Cavaliers were putting around him, and he was still taking those teams of whom we don't even remember who was who was, Booby Gibson. That might be the where in the world is Booby taking him to the finals. This man has all his talent. So I'm saying this to say, like, because of his experience, we know LeBron to be who he is today, which could be a segue over to what we need to talk about. And right. it it is, and this is who we like LeBron didn't come up with this. It was it was his experience along with some of his mentors that say, you can be like me, Kevin, Gar Kevin Garnett, staying up in Minnesota for, I, he's, Kevin stayed way too long. And that's why he only had enough juice to win so many uh, when he finally got to Boston. But he leaned over in LeBron's ears like, bro, don't waste your time on an organization that's not putting pieces around you. I've been there, done that. You need to go do something with your life. Hence Miami. Right. And, so, and, so, and so, right, and I, I get that, right? And he goes to Miami and he wins two championships. Then he goes back to Cleveland and he wins the championship, plays in two of them, mm -hmm. wins one of them. He beats the team that had the best record in the his best regular season record in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. It was Golden State 2015, 2016, 73 and nine. Ridiculous. My goodness. How do you go 73 <laughs> and nine and not win the championship? Well, he ran up on LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving. Right. Right? You never listen, man. I'm never going to berate LeBron. LeBron is, like I said, are you going to turn down $999,000 because it ain't a million? I don't think so. I'll take LeBron. But here's the point, y'all. And so now we let's pivot, Jason, because we disagreed, right? Right. We this disagreement. We pivoted from it. And you said something. LeBron is the way he is because of his experience. Jordan is the way he is because of his experience. Mm -hmm. And here's here's the rub, y'all. Listen, because this is what we want y'all to take away. At the core of our disagreement between me and Jason is our two very different experiences that color the way we perceive the same phenomenon. Jason looks at LeBron and Jordan. I look at LeBron and Jordan and I got an experience too. Mm -hmm. And if Jason and I come to this discussion convinced that the other person is wrong or convinced that we have the truth and the other person's position 
is false and misleading and fundamentally bad, we are approaching the conversation with the wrong attitude. We're going to pick up here on the other side of this brief break. Don't go nowhere, y'all. It's about to get real good. Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills, and I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called A Vocal Owner's Manual, and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about. And that's what his brand, The Speaker's Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thanks to The Speaker's Mechanic for this sponsorship. All right, y'all. Welcome back to episode 39 of the Motown Philly podcast. Just before the break, we were talking about what Jason and I really disagree about and what two people really disagree about. And we were talking about the approach that we take to that conversation to this conversation jason and i are the best of friends and we hold different opinions we hold a different opinion about this now we're talking about sports right on the surface but beneath the surface we're really talking jason about experiences and the values that come out of those experiences the values that are attached to the individual, right? Yes, the values that are attached to each of us as we are people who are trying to get through this thing called life. And as a result of that, we have our history and our experiences and those things color the way we see things so rather than approaching the conversation jason with me saying because this is what will ruin communication connection right. yeah here's what's going to ruin it man this fool is bringing this up again he is just so wrong about this i mean how in the world why can't he see that he's just wrong i mean i know i'm right if that's the attitude you take into it you're going to miss the point which is not so much to get to what you believe to be the truth, but to gain understanding of the other person. There you go. Say that last part of the other person, not the actual thing that you're talking, the actual subject matter. Right. We're not talking about understanding the topic. We're talking about seeing beyond the topic to see the person. That's deeper person who is advocating that view because if we go into it and we're so convinced about the truth of our position or our point of view or trying to understand the topic so we can speak against it or for it we're completely missing the other person and when we miss the other person jason we miss communication connection and community because it's not about who's right and who's wrong all the time it's about understanding and i come out of these conversations always with 
a better understanding of who Jason is as a person. And I don't have to agree with you to understand. But understanding, I think, is the deeper goal. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I just think that we often, and I say we, because I think it's a it's a constant battle of understanding who we're addressing. I often call you or people who I come in contact human beings because they're not just what they do. It's it's or or what people say they are. The essence of a person is the fact that they are human. And when someone is human and you get an opportunity to hold space with them and have conversations with them, there's a level of sacredness that comes to that when you come with that perspective. So I often used to think of, mm, I'll say this, and I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned it here on the podcast. Growing up, uh, growing up in the environments that I grew up in, growing up uh, kind of under religion, if you will, I often, as a young black boy, thought of myself, yes, as a young black boy, but almost that almost to the point where or the fact that being a black boy, like race or color didn't matter, like we're all the same. And that wasn't a healthy like worldview. However, as I grew older and started to learn more, I often understood that it is important for you to see me or to see my color because I came with history. And, you know, in the religion and culture that I grew up in, it was just like, hey, can't we all get along? Why do we have to talk about color? Because it's all about Jesus. It was, you know, it was, I never was taught, (laughs) I never was taught to really understand me and my culture and the history, the history that came along with my culture and that how important that was to go with me wherever I went. Why, how could I go places without bringing myself? But if I was never educated about myself, I would show up partially, you know what I'm saying? And it's the, it's the same premise. So when you hold space with a person, you want to understand them as a human being, not necessarily, you don't hop into conversations that are so heated and entrenched where you're missing the person because of the content that you're discussing. The content that you're discussing, yes, it's important. You gain enlightenment and insight and you can learn from conversations where someone has a different viewpoint. But what's deeper than that? And we have to turn off, be able to turn off the default mechanism and become more aware. Like, yo, this is not just about the topic at hand. This is about the person behind the topic that's giving their viewpoint and their history that li- that aligns with it. And I think you that's a sacred space that you get a chance to hold so that you can find connection and 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 community with someone cuz you now not just understand a little bit more of how they're what they're talking about but more so of the you understand the person and I think that's just a more beautiful a beautiful way of approaching uh, life and relationships. What do you think, Chick? I couldn't agree more, Jason. I couldn't agree more. How else do you explain the secret 
to having relationships with people and having difficult conversations with people. I mean, this is not a difficult conversation in the in the deep relational sense of the word. I mean, Jason and I are talking about, we started off talking about sports, but what happens in more intimate relationships with romantic partners, for example, where you're having a conflict or disagreement about something arguably far more serious and in what would happen if in those contexts for example a lot of couples uh, people that are involved romantically with other people they they argue about money and they have different conceptions of money what would happen if you didn't approach those conflicts in terms of you being right and the other person being wrong Mm -hmm. and instead said what can I take away from this conversation that will help me understand my romantic partner Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. because he or she feels however he or she feels based on their past their experiences their history and this is what we don't understand Jason history History affects everything we do. The German 20th century German philosopher Hans Gadamer, and you and I have talked about him before, right? Uh, Gadamer, I wish Gadamer was still alive, man. We could get him to co-host yeah. the podcast with us. Yeah. He, what he understood that was so powerful is that uh, the the problem, the reason why we'll why we never get to the truth is because the method we use is all wrong. Mm-hmm. It isn't about seeking truth at all. It's about seeking understanding. So what happens if that romantic couple enters the conversation sort of suspending or bracketing any idea that they have to be right and the other person has to be wrong and instead approaches that conversation and asks themselves, themselves, what can I learn about Jason's history? How can I come into deeper connection with Jason through this difficult conversation rather than how do I end up rather than ending up destroying the connection and the community that I have with him? So I think you're absolutely right, man. I think it's beautiful. I think, I think what we have to here's the here's the thing, Jason. Mm-hmm. Picture me picture me and you, we're in a room together. And there's a book on the table in front of us. You see the book, I see the book, but neither one of us sees the book exactly the same way. Right. It's not Mm. possible. Mm. It's not possible. Even if you were standing over top of me, you would see it. Or if you were sitting next to me, you would see the book from one angle. I would see it from another angle. And like the Greek philosopher Protagoras, the pre-Socratic philosopher Protagoras, uh, who argued that two people can look at the same thing. One can say it's black, the other can say it's white, and both of them can be correct. That's the dress. That's the dress, and the on the internet, the gold yeah. and the gold, the, the gold dress versus the blue dress, or whatever that was. Right. It's crazy. Right. It depends on how you look at it. And how you look at it depends on your what? On your history. History. Jay, here's what's so deep about history, right? For those who are listening, it's springtime, it's May, wherever you are in the country, go outside on a bright, sunny day. 
you are standing in history. You know why? Because it takes the light eight minutes to travel 93 million miles from the sun to get to the earth. So by the time you see the sunlight, you don't see it as it is. You see it as it was eight minutes ago. We are literally walking in history. We, we are saturated in history. So anybody that tells you, like you said, Jason, I don't see color. You just telling me you don't want to see my experience. You don't want to see my experience. You don't want to see my history. You don't want to see my history. You don't want to see my humanity. And if you don't want to see my humanity, we can't have communication, connection and community. That's so deep. That's so deep. Uh, Just thinking about how important it is to approach conversations. Basically, what we're saying with the whole person in mind. Even if there comes, we're talking about a specific thing. It's like you almost have to consider the micro and the macro at the same time. Especially, I think in all, all in 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 most, in, I would say in all serious interactions. But just having that mindset or awareness that you you don't know what a person has gone through or is going through currently. You should often walk in conversation with the level of, um, with the level of just caution, humility, humility. That's a better word. A level of humility as you approach and engage with somebody because you, I mean, not just the current present. You don't know what they've gone through, and to walk with humility, compassion and empathy when someone sees something totally different from you you're right the couple who comes to an, a table and has a heated discussion uh, about finances about making love about whatever want, they both sh- should try to come to that table with the history of the person not just the total not just the subject matter at hand it's just being aware of that because when we say things that are hurtful, not just being hurtful in the moment, we're also saying, you know my history, how could you say that to me? That often comes up because you're not just arguing in the moment, you're arguing with the entire person, um, past, present, and future. You say certain things, it might not be, (laughs) it might not be a a future. And here's the thing, Jason, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to state the following hypothesis. Go for it. When we, when we have conversations with others that are difficult, we typically only bring our point of view because we can hide behind our point of view in order to not be vulnerable with the other person. Because if we both come to the table, knowing that we're going to suspend our position or our point of view, what we have done is two things. One, you have opened the door to a deeper conversation. And two, in opening the door to that deeper conversation, its depth is lies in the vulnerability of saying to your conversation partner, This is who I am and why I feel this way about this issue. 
I know this is me. You are basically opening yourself up to your to the other person, and that's it's in that openness. Yeah, vulnerability. It's in that space. You know, we're told that porcupine, porcupines, right? They have the quills on the outside of their body, but their underbelly is soft and and empty. There's nothing. There's no quills on the on the bottom side. They're Un- unguarded. Yes. Yeah, they're they're not protected on 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 their bellies. And sometimes what porcupines will do is they will. It's, I think it's a mating ritual where they will actually dance with one another underbelly to underbelly <laughs> vulnerability to vulnerability mm-hmm. person to person intimacy not sex intimacy understanding look at me see within me and understand me that's where you build communication connection and community but if all you coming with is your point of view and you're coming with your point of view and your argument and your position and you're so committed to that and low key you're not so much committed to the position as you are uncommitted to intimacy oh and that's something i think we got to talk about man because there's a lot of our listeners out there who I know, I know y'all are listening now. You doing the laundry, you running errands, you in your car, whatever. And look, at some point, if we're going to have communication and connection and community, we must be vulnerable. And yeah. that vulnerability means opening up to things that make us uncomfortable. And that means abandoning your point of view in favor of relationship with the other person. Here, Here's a rub on that, though. This is why things get a little sideways when we do have passionate discussions. I like hard conversations. Maybe there's a spinoff to our podcast and it should be called having hard conversations. The thing is, when I become vulnerable in my hard conversations and you disagree with me, it is a it is a chastisement or in certain ways an accusatory disposition as rejecting me or or a type of way where you're not seeing me because because i'm passionate about this thing because i believe so strongly about this thing and I'm the other person is coming back with strong, passionate retorts. The conversation can become entrenched because it is then taken personal that you don't see me. You don't see my history. You don't see my point of view. You don't feel me in a lot of ways. My question is, how do you how do you come out of that cycle? Because arguments often become heated when i am being i am exposing my underbelly and you are saying i don't agree with your underbelly i don't agree with your upbringing that's those are really personal things how do you help yourself in those situations whether you on either side of the of the of the discussion 
man. That's the yeah. $64,000 question right there. <laughs> and I was about to ask it, but you beat me to it. So, mm. yeah, right. man. What do you do? This is the question, folks. And again, Jason and I don't have all the answers. We're just a couple dudes trying to figure it out. We disagree with each other. But I, maybe I'll use us as an example. We disagree with each other on LeBron and Michael Jordan. But somehow, every time that subject comes up between us, I walk away with a deeper appreciation for who Jason is. And maybe maybe, maybe this topic is, is too lightweight, right? Maybe we need to pick a heavier topic. Maybe we need to pick a, a heavier kind of relationship, right? Maybe it is a marriage where you have a husband and a wife who are disagreeing with each other about finances. And I guess the question, as you put it, is what do you do when you understand each other, but you still disagree? What do you do when that happens? And I think the answer to that question, I think there's as many answers to that question as there are people in those situations. That's not a cop out. That's just to say that none of this is one size fits all. I think a cop out would be trying to give a hardcore answer that holds for every circumstance. And I just don't think that's healthy. Well, first of all, I don't think it's authentic. And secondly, I don't think because it's inauthentic, I don't think it's healthy either. I, I think the best we can hope for in situations like that is that the two people care for one another enough to say, I understand where you're coming from and I still disagree with you. And if that's too much for you, and if you understand where I'm coming from and you still disagree with me, then the question becomes maybe how can we live with this disagreement? Can we live with Mm -hmm. this disagreement, Mm -hmm. right? Is this the kind of disagreement that is a deal breaker? Is it a relationship breaker or is there something here that we can use to help build deeper communication, deeper connection and deeper community? I don't I I have to honestly say, Jason, I don't know unless you you know, you may you might say something now that will change my mind about that. But my initial response is I don't know where we where you go from there. I I think you're 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 on target with the options, because when there is a disagreement between individuals who care for each other and are in relationship with each other, deep relationship with each other, you are at a fork in the road, Um, especially with serious topics like finances, family, sex religion um these are are we going to have children are we going to have children (laughs) like the these are these are questions conversations that are had when that are all crucial to cohesion in relationships and if cohesion 
isn't there vital cohesion in these er these different areas isn't there you're right a qu the question poses like legitimate forks in the road now in these forks you have what you and i've talked about in other podcasts a time to negotiate how do we negotiation says how can we make a a bed of understanding so that each one of us is having the best or highest level of win-win between the two of us about what we are in disagreement about or the other fork is this thing is so entrenched in us and our ideologies of how we approach this topic we may definitely have to go our like our separate ways and i don't know what the third fork would be but is maybe you're maybe you're in deliberation and you go seek assistance help or counsel to see to help to help see what you too can't see because you're in it so you have counsel you have well we're let's make we're gonna make a decision to part or you negotiate not compromise negotiate a win-win situation about what you're disagreeing on so that there's a level of fairness a level you know of fairness that says i'm okay with where, where we are in this with this particular you know with this particular idea or this particular entrenched ideology now let's let's talk about this concept of understanding one another rather than being right in each of those options mm. let's take the option of parting ways we tend to see parting ways as a tragedy mm. talk about that stay right there it's it's not a happy ending it's sad mm -hmm. and it's tragic but what is more tragic holding on to your point of view for the sake of remaining in relationship with somebody who may not be good for you mm. who, who might be completely unhealthy or surrendering your point of view to someone who may not be good for you or not be healthy and you stay together say for 40 years it is. Is, is is quantity the same thing as quality do you want to stay together for 40 years or do you want to walk away in the present moment from that person and walk away saying i have learned something about you in this moment mm -hmm. and i understand you in a way that i never understood you before and no, we still don't agree, but guess what? We can both walk away from this respectfully. Respectfully, yes. If fairly saying mm -hmm. that at least we've understood each other. Mm -hmm. And see, I think there's, there's a, a premium on that, isn't it? Yes, man. Yes. Absolutely. There's a premium and, and there is also a level of intactness 
Yes, man. I mean, to be able to walk away from a conversation or a relationship and say, I understood that person. We didn't agree, but I understood. See, there's we, dignity there. Dignity, there's respect, there's authenticity, there's kindness, mm-hmm. there's cheer. I mean, you could go down a list of virtues for the Christian family out there. Christian virtues, mm-hmm. right? You can and you can walk away from a person and say, "Wow, that's that's really good." I have actually got to know you in a way that I never knew knew you before. And although we disagree, I will take a piece of this relationship with me because I was able to achieve understanding despite conflict despite disagreement so so that's one that's that's understanding understanding rather than truth in one scenario let's take the counseling scenario some people some couples when they go to couples therapy it just gets worse <laughs> and it and one of the reasons why it gets worse yeah why does it get worse though? it gets worse because too many couples go into it trying to with the idea that the therapist is going to agree with me and I, they're going to be a neutral third party. And I'm about to show you how crazy you are because they're going to agree with me. Once again, you're going into it, holding on with a point of view, right? Holding on to a point of view. I'm sorry. You're going to go into it, holding on to a point of view. And because you're holding on to your point of view, you're not exposing your underbelly. And because you're not exposing your underbelly, you're not being vulnerable. And if the therapist is a good therapist, he about to turn you on your back and show your underbelly. Right. And once that underbelly gets exposed, are you willing to do the hard work of having uh, of of letting go of your point of view so that you can understand each other and so i think understanding in the therapeutic context sort of looks like both people surrendering to the situation and saying you're outside of this and you can to the therapist you're outside of this you can see this in a way that we can't we're both willing to be vulnerable here and you give us some guidance and give us some tools to see how we can make it work. And as Tim said that, guys, that is the only way that scenario will will cause positive results. That is the only way that scenario will cause positive results in your relationship. Period. If if two if one person is off on that, right. You got to both be willing to put aside the points of view and be vulnerable and be open. And that's the only way it's gonna work. Jason, what was the third scenario? Negotiation. Negotiation. So what you might do in that situation, so what does it look like to achieve understanding? Now we've looked at achieving understanding in the context of we're at loggerheads, we have to walk away. We've looked at achieving understanding in the context of therapy, And now we're looking at understanding in the context of negotiation. (laughs) So we're being vulnerable and we still disagree. What does that look like in negotiation? 
person A says to person B, is there any, I understand who you are now a lot better and I see who you are. Is there any part of yourself, of your history, that you are willing to surrender? And I will do the same with mine. Mm. Mm. We can meet each other in the middle and create a new history. You boy. A new experience together. Mm-hmm. That I think is real understanding because relationship, Jason, especially the serious romantic relationships, marriage, whatever, those relationships require not only vulnerability, now we're talking about surrender. Sure. Now we're talking about relinquishing a part of oneself for the sake of another and that is where i that's what i think uh, the achieving understanding looks like in the context of negotiation so we got negotiation going your separate ways and therapy and and i think jay i think we we eat in all of those contexts we got to be vulnerable we got to be open we got to be willing to do things that the world tells us are tragic and sad, but, and maybe they can be, maybe they will be, maybe you will be sad for a little bit, but ultimately, you know, I was reading a book by the medieval philosopher Boethius, Mm -hmm. and Boethius is in prison, and he writes this essay, Jason, it's called The Consolation of Philosophy. So he's put in prison on some trumped up charges, they're bogus, and he's lamenting his fate and the whole book is composed of a back and forth between his poetic laments and his tears and the rational side of him who shows up as lady philosophy and it's a back and forth between poetry and prose between reason and emotions that's the way the book is structured Mm -hmm. And in one of Lady Philosophy's speeches, she says to Boethius, would you rather take medicine that is sweet on the tongue and bitter in the stomach? Or do you want to take medicine that is bitter on the tongue, but sweet in the stomach? In other words, there's a lot of things that are tough going down, but ultimately good for you. And there's a lot of other things that taste good going down, but will do you harm. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's where we find ourselves with this business of conflict and disagreement and vulnerability. I mean, there's so many layers to this, bro. There's just so much to it. And I'm not I'm not so sure we even scratched the surface. No, it's you know, I often talk to you about communication and as a communication skills coach communication is a is like a a vast ocean of of trying to to navigate and i think this is a subset of of what communication is communication you know you hear you know we walk up to the old couple that's been together for forever and they tell us hey 
Well, we asked them, hey, how do y'all do it? How do y'all stay together? What's the secret? And they say, oh, communication. But if we're honest, that that answer is not enough. Like, because it's just saying, hey, where's Africa? And you point to the water, right? Really? Like, it's over there. It's, yeah. So you point to a body of water, right? And, 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 or if you're on the, in, if you're on the beach, you point to the beach. Like, no, you can't just point to, like, it is like communication and the ability to, to do it at a high level and to do it as effectively as possible and know that it is an, an act of being aware, um, being progressive, being mindful. Like, all those things are part of the journey of having relationships, uh, communicating effectively, creating those connections, and and then uh, those connections facilitating beautiful communities. So um, this topic is just a subset of, of, of what communication is. And, and like you said, and we're just scratching the subject of the subset, but it's, it's, it's beautiful though. Yeah, it really is beautiful. We we just got some, we just got some footprints on on the snow on top of the mountain. There's a whole iceberg underneath of this thing, and you know that's the beauty of Motown Philly, Jay. We may not have got it all done today, Mm-mm. but we got all the time in the world, and we're going to come back to it again and again and again. Listen, y'all, this is the disclaimer Jason and I will always give. Jason will tell you, and I'm going to tell you right now, Motown Philly got me living by code. Like, I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about my communication and my relationships all the time. I'm yeah. always, yeah. always thinking about how I'm communicating something. How does that sound? How am I saying that? Why? Because Jason and I care about communication, connection, and community, but we don't have all the answers. I probably mess up as many times in a day as or more than I get it right. And and that's okay for that's you. okay. Yeah, that's all right. But our job is to make sure that we just give you something to think about. And we hope that in this episode that's what we did. Jason Hall, where can they find you, brother? Listen, you guys can find me on Instagram at the speakers mechanic. That's on Instagram, IG at the speakers mechanic you can also find me on linkedin i am a communication skills coach and consultant for professionals and business owners who are trying to communicate more effectively to their market and their audience so that they can be the best communicator leader that they can be tim golden where can they find you sir you can find me on Instagram. That's right. The Gram, the Grizzam, at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJ Golden ESQ. And you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden. Three things in life for certain death, taxes, and I am the only black man in Walla Walla, Washington named Tim Golden. The only one. I guarantee it. You can take that to the bank and the check won't bounce. Listen, episode 39. Hey, hey, wow. and Jay, wow. we about to turn 40. <laughs> we about to turn 40 next week. And you know what that means, y'all. 
once we get to 40 we only 12 episodes away from our one year anniversary boy we're gonna have some stuff planned for y'all we're gonna we're gonna do it listen next week we got a special guest coming up and it's mother's day next weekend so Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about parenting and communication and our guest is going to be miss sarah carter yes the sarah carter oh jay tell them a little bit about sarah carter listen you guys are going to enjoy sarah carter on next week she is also a communication professional she helps parents communicate better with their small child and she helps teach the children how to be more effective communicators as they express things that are that are and can be very challenging for children to talk about or to express coming from the inside out yo tap into this one's gonna be a good one going to be great next week. It's going to be great. Until then, y'all, listen, go into the Motown Philly Podcast Facebook group. Drop your comments on the, on the episodes. Drop your comments, your questions, your commendations, your criticisms, your programming ideas. That's what it's for. That's what we're here for. We're just trying to grow, and we thank you for growing with us. We ain't going to forget y'all when we make it big because we can't make it big without you. True. Let's go, y'all. Y'all, until next week, we are out of here like Vladimir. Peace.